0: Said unto Balak, Build me here seven altars and prepare me here seven oxen and seven rams. Balak did as Balaam had spoken, and Balak and Balaam offered on every altar a bullock and a ram. Balaam said unto Balak, Stand by thy burnt offering, and I will go, and peradventure the Lord will come to meet me. And whatsoever he sheweth me, I will tell thee. And he went to an high place. And God met Balaam and said unto him, I have prepared. And he said unto him, I have prepared seven altars and I have offered upon every altar a bullock and a ram. Verse five, And the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth and said, Return unto Balak, and thus shalt thou speak. And thus thou shalt speak. And he returned unto him, and lo, he stood by his burnt offerings, he and all the princes of Moab, and he took up his parable and said, Balak, the king of Moab, hath brought me from Aram out of the mountains of the east, saying, Come, curse me, Jacob, come, defy Israel. How shall I curse whom God hath not cursed? Or how shall I defy whom the Lord hath not defied? Right outside your Bible right there, you ought to put a little line and put Romans chapter number 8. Who can condemn what God has justified? Amen. That's the New Testament text to Numbers 23, verse 8. Verse 9. For from the top of the rocks I see him, from the hills I behold him. Lo, the people shall dwell alone and shall not be reckoned among the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob, the number of the fourth part of Israel? Then them, them Balaam says, let me die the death of the righteous. Now I'm going to get to it a little bit later, but let me say this. You can't die the death of the righteous unless you live righteous. Everybody don't die the same. But where the tree falleth there, it shall lie, according to Ecclesiastes. And let my last end be like his. He's talking about Jacob and Israel. Like the righteous man. In verse number 11. And Balak said unto Balaam, What hast thou done unto me? He said, Wait a minute. You're not performing the task I paid you for. He said, I took thee to curse mine enemies. And behold, thou hast blessed them all together. And he answered and said, Must I not take heed to, Balaam's talking back to him, Must I not take heed to speak that which the Lord hath put in my mouth? Boy, it sounds real good. And Balak said unto him, Come, I pray thee, with me unto another place. Let me take you to another pulpit. Let me get you to another place. Let me see if he preached differently around a different crowd. Boy, I feel like preaching. I ain't going to say nothing. From whence thou mayest see them, thou shalt see but the utter, utmost part of them, and shalt not see them all and curse me them from thence I'm thinking Balaam why are you trying God this is verse 14 and he brought him to the field of Zophim, to the top of Pisgah and built seven altars and offered a bullock and a ram on every altar and he said unto Balaam, stand here by the burnt offering while I meet the Lord yonder And the Lord met Balaam and put a word in his mouth and said, Go again unto Balak and say thus. And when he had come to him, behold, he stood by his offering and the princes of Moab with him. And Balak said unto him, Why hath the Lord... What hath the Lord spoken? And he took up his parable and said, Rise up, Balak, and hear, Hearken unto me, thou son of Zippor. God is not a man. This is a famous Bible verse. You ought to memorize it. God is not a man that he should lie, neither son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? And hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Behold, I have received commandment to bless And he hath blessed, and I cannot reverse it. He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. The Lord his God is with them, and the shout of a king is among them. God brought them out of Egypt. He hath, as it were, the strength of a unicorn. Surely the, there is no enchantment against Jacob. There is neither any divination. See, he even begins to expose the methods that he used. Now, I know what some of you think, and you're thinking, well, God spoke to him. Yeah, God also smoked to his ass, too. Can anybody say amen? All right, now, now watch this. By the way, did not God choose 12? I didn't mention it this morning. But did God not choose 12? And did he not call them to himself presence of God send them forth to preach have power to heal sickness and cast out devils and was one of them not Judas the deceiver Are, is everybody with me he is around the truth he propagated the truth okay there's another Bible verse I love this surely there is no enchantment So against Jacob neither is there any divination against Israel verse 23 according to this time it shall be said of Jacob and of Israel here's this listen to this what God hath wrought. What a mighty message. It shall be said, what God hath wrought. When he looks at, at Jay and Rhonda Prince, he's thinking, whoo, look what God hath wrought. When he looks at Doug Thompson, and he says, whoo, look what, Look at how he's blessed. Look what God hath wrought. That's enough right there. Amen. Behold, the people, verse 24, shall rise up as a great line, lift up himself. Man, what a blessing that is. As a young lion, he shall not lie down until he eat of the prey and drink the blood of the slain. And Balak said unto Balaam, neither curse them at all nor bless them at all. He said, look, it ain't working. You ain't cursing them. So for God's sake, quit blessing them. Every time I pay you to curse them, you just bless them again. Look at verse, look at verse 26. But Balaam answered and said unto Balak, told not I thee. I don't know why he's saying that. I told you what I was going to do. Told not I thee, saying, all that the Lord speaketh, that I must do. And Balak said unto Balaam, okay, and hold on, let's seek a different answer. We're going to take you to another pulpit, look at another place, give you another view. Look at verse 27. And Balak said unto Balaam, Come, I pray thee, I will bring thee unto another place, peradventure it will please God, that thou mayest curse me them from thence. And Balak brought Balaam unto the top of Peor, that looketh toward Jeshimon. And Balaam said unto Balak, build me here seven altars, prepare me here seven bullocks, seven rams. And Balak did as Balaam had said and offered a bullock and a ram on every altar. Father, we love you today and pray, God, that you'd help me to preach in the power of the Holy Ghost. Help me to be a blessing and encouragement, God, to your people. Pray, God, you give us leadership and direction. and Lord, I pray, God, you'd help me. Do nothing more, nothing less than what you'd have me to say tonight. Thank you for the truth of the Bible. We know that all Scripture is given by inspiration to God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof of correction, for instruction in righteousness. Lord, that the man of God may be perfect thoroughly for us to every good work. And I pray, God, you'd help me, Lord, to just stay in the confines of the text, walk through the text, unpack the text, preach the text as you'd have us to preach, Lord. And I pray you'd apply it to our heart and lives. Let it fall upon hearts and ears that are listening. Not just hear the word, but hearken unto the word that it might be uh, help them and it might humble us and might, might draw closer and bring honor to your name. We'll thank you, Lord, for souls that will be touched, lives that will be saved. We pray, God, you do everything that needs to be done tonight. And, Lord, we'll thank you for grace and mercy to get it done for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. <coughs> I feel even a little more unprepared because I have so much information. I'm trying I want to mind the Lord. I feel like tonight if we were to would title chapter number 23, it would be a strange character that God has blessed with a sovereign privilege. Here we have his man. We've already learned about him. That his ass knows more than he does. He's seen more. Her, the ass, the she ass, that, that, that ass wanted to follow God quicker than he did. And for a time, he saw more truth, spoke more truth, and tried to live more truth than the burden that was on his back. God help us to be sensitive to the Spirit of God and not let an animal be more sensitive to God than we are. But this strange man, this faltering prophet, this false man, this fraud, some call him a fortune teller. The words he uses, divination and He uses this word uh, divination and enchantment. Those are all uh, witchcraft words. Here this man is, but God is going to use this man to give truth. Don't be, don't be dazzled by the enchanting words of, of, of a man that preaches in a football stadium and has can't even hardly pack them in there. Don't just because he has a Clorox smile and a beauty shop hairdo and his wife White, writes his sermons. Don't mean no, I'm just kidding. I don't know about that. Don't mean that he never preaches the gospel. He may sound good. He may have a great following. But I heard that receiver say on television with my own ears and eyes that there was a whole there was different ways to get to heaven and Jesus was one of them so just because they have a great following. See the Bible says in the last days there's going to be seducing spirits preaching doctrines of devils and that word seducing is the word decoy and if you've ever been duck hunting if you've ever went hunting for ducks you do it with decoys. They've even got decoys that quack. They've got decoys that swim and all them ducks overhead see them ducks swimming and quacking and they'll come down and bam they get get the brains blowed out. And that's what happens. Just cause there's a crowd, just cause there's a big, amen, just cause it's swelling up don't mean it's growing. It may be dead and about to bust. Somebody say amen. But in chapter number 23, we find out God can use this strange character to give have a sovereign privilege. He's gonna be able to tell the truth. God is gonna meet with them. God is gonna give a word to a heathen through a fraud, through a a faltering prophet. Look in Numbers chapter 23. This chapter, actually in chapter 23 and on into chapter number 24, tells us about the prophecies that God allows Balaam to give. There's actually four. One of them is about the place that Israel has in God's program. The second one is about the praise that God has for the nation of Israel, for the chosen people. The third one is about the prosperity of Israel, how God's going to bless them, God's going to multiply them, God's going to take care of them. And then the fourth prophecy is the predominance of Israel. uh, On the stage of mankind that God chose them, they're going to be special. And I just want to say to this day, them that bless will be blessed and them that curse will be cursed in all God's people, say This chapter has a few things about the prophecy I, I, I want you to you write this down if you're taking notes there's a pattern of prophecies in Numbers in chapter 23 the first 12 verses there's a perspective of the prophecies that's in verse 13 through 26 then there's a preparation of the prophecies and so here's the pattern look in Numbers chapter 23 here's the first prophecy God Balaam is going to use Balaam or allow Balaam to give truth to Balak. He's a heathen. He's the king of the Moabites. And everybody here knows about the Moabites. They are a, a cursed nation. God's wash pot. Can God take somebody out of Moab? Yes he can. We got the book of Ruth. And all God's people said amen. She's in the lineage. Hallelujah. But Moabites and the Ammonites are ancestral nations that came about because of the wickedness of Lot's daughters and Lot. Is, is everybody with me? They are the enemies of God's people. They are typical of the flesh. So here's what God has. God has truth that our flesh needs to hear. God has truth that we need to hear in a fleshly driven world that we live in today. Now you say, preacher, my flesh don't bother me. Well, you better than Paul. Paul said, I gotta beat this stuff down every single day. Buffet my body daily. Most of us think that says buffet your body daily, but that ain't what it says. Hey, man, the setting of the pattern. Think, think about this the sacrifice. Look what he said in verse number one and two. He said, Build me here seven altars and prepare me here seven rams. Everybody knows here that the, the typical setting of the altar is. And God's going to give a word but there's got to be an altar God's going to give a word but there has to be a sacrifice all that is picturing toward ain't you glad Jesus fulfilled all sacrifices and we have a sure word of prophecy through Jesus Christ there's hope for the hopeless and help for the helpless amen the sacrifice think, think about this He said, build me seven altars, and man, that keeps coming up. It's going to come up, in our text, came up three times. Seven altars, seven, on each one of those altars, one ram for each, seven rams and seven bullocks. All that kept running through my mind. The only way we can approach God, now, true salvation, the only way we can approach God is through the sacrifice of Calvary, Would y'all say amen. But why seven? Why seven altars? Why seven rams? Why seven bullets? Now, nobody wants to touch it, but here's what the Lord spoke to my heart. Seven is a number of completion, and it's gonna take a true, complete sacrifice for us to get a word from God. Would y'all say amen there? A word of blessing to the people of God and a word of cursing to those that don't believe God. But maybe, here's what the Lord showed me. I, I didn't even see this till, I was on the way here I had to put it in my nose over. I was on the way here, and the Lord brought to my mind Job chapter 42. And in Job chapter, y'all know the story of Job? <clears throat> and in Job chapter number 42, the tide's turning. God's going to bless Job with twice as much as he had in every area. I had a man tell me one time, well, he didn't give twice as many children. Yes, he did. Them other ones are still alive. Say amen, amen. When you in glory, you're more alive than you ever were on earth. God's gonna bless him was twice because he came through the test with flying colors. Now, you know what God, so if it's true, and I feel like it is, if Job's the oldest book in the Bible, if Job was written before Moses wrote the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, If Job is the oldest book in the Bible, don't don't get shook up about the chronological order God's ordaining that, but if Job is the oldest book in the Bible, then then the pattern that was set, that God God told them wicked friends, y'all remember them friends, the unfriendly friends that Job had? As long as they kept their mouth shut, they was good friends. When they started opening their mouth, Job, it's your fault. They sin, there's sin in the camp. Storms are hitting you. You've got trials going on in your life because of something going on in your life. Boy, I'm glad God ain't like that. That's what we'd like to do. We'd like to whip up a storm on somebody that was doing us wrong. Say amen. But boy, ain't you glad God don't do that? If he were, we wouldn't be sitting here on Sunday night. I guarantee you that. We'd all be in a mess. We'd be called up. Y'all see that storm blew up this afternoon? That wouldn't be nothing. That that'd be nothing. That'd be like a sun, that'd be like a Sunday shower compared to what some of us would be going through going through spiritually. But here's what God told. God told them unfriendly friends. Here, let me read it to you. Therefore, this is what God said. The Lord speaking to Ephanah, he's here's what he said. Therefore, take unto you now seven bullocks, seven rams, and go to my servant Job and offer up for yourself a burnt offering, and my servant Job will pray for you, for him will I accept, lest I deal with you after your folly, and that you have not spoken to me the thing which is right, like my servant Job. Maybe he knew enough. He did know the scriptures. He did know the sanctuary. He knew the coming Messiah, the Savior. He knew knew a lot, but knowing it, Up here and not having it here didn't make any difference. But we do know this. If he knew the scripture, Balak was speaking folly, and he knew that God had told that crowd, he said, hey, if you want to get an answer from me, if you don't want me to deal with you after your sin, iniquity, and folly, then get me seven bullets and seven rams. Somebody ought to say amen. I believe he is trying to follow the pattern. So you got the, the sacrifice in the setting. The, setting, the pattern that's going to give all these prophecies. You got the sacrifice. You got the seeking of the setting. Look in Numbers 23, verse number 3. We're just going to walk through the text tonight. I'm going to try and, and then try Wednesday to close everything up. But in Numbers in chapter 23 and verse number 3, here's what the Bible says. He said, Stand by the burnt offering, I will go. Peradventure will come to meet me, and whatsoever he showeth me, I will tell thee. So while Balak waited, Balaam went to a private place to seek God and get a revelation to give back to Balak. Why would to God in our day that we could get to the place we would wait on a true word from the Lord? Most of us just want to do instead of waiting on a message from the Lord. Amen. Be still and know he's God. Sometimes it's hurry up and wait. Just wait on God. We need to wait on God. And man, man, mankind always wants to make things happen. You remember when Moses, got, hey man, Moses wanted to lead the people out. He tried to get ahead of God. He tried to get ahead and ended up murdering somebody. God had to stick him on the backside of the desert and the land of Median, taking care of some sheep for 40 years. God had to put him on pause. So he had 40 years to get schooled in Egypt, 40 years on the backside of the desert. 80 years old before God allowed him to be used and then God let him use the last third of his life. Sometimes we want to get ahead of God. At least I'll say this about Balak. He he, he knew Balaam needed to see. He was seeking the word from the Lord and he is willing to wait on it. God would to God we could do that. The seeking of the setting. So you have the sacrifice, the speaking in the pattern. Look what look what God showed up to Balaam in Numbers chapter 23 and verse number 4. Look what he said. And God met Balaam <coughs> and he said unto him, I have prepared seven altars. Balaam's talking to God. I have prepared seven altars. I have offered upon every altar a bullock and a ram. And the Lord put a word in. So the people are He returned unto him. See, He got a message. He's He's God's gonna speak to him because he's going by way of the sacrifice. We we have access to the throne of God because of the sacrifice. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 and 20, having therefore brethren boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which hath consecrated for us through the veil. What veil? The veil, that is his flesh, when, when his flesh was rent, his, the veil was rent, and we gained access. I don't know if it's true or not, but they say when that Ethiopian eunuch tradition says, uh, these Jewish historians, Josephus was right, here's what they say. They say that when the uh, Ethiopian eunuch got there, he saw the priest trying to sew back the veil. Boy, ain't that something. That's always like man trying to fix it up to keep people out. When Jesus has broken down the wall to get people in. Amen. The seeking in the pattern. Watch what happens. He returned unto Balak. And lo, he stood by his burnt sacrifice. And in Numbers chapter 23 and verse number three, he not only, but all the princes. And this this is going to build up. Now think, think about this. Balaam would have an audience of dignitaries, he's gonna have he's gonna have all the princes, he's gonna have all the elders there. This is puffing old, uh, Balaam's ego up. He's interested in all these worldly honors. Man, he's got a crowd, and he's gonna to get to speak the truth to. And here's what he says. Here's the people he's speaking to. He's speaking to the elders, to the princes of Moab. He's got he's got a highfalutin crowd he's talking to. But here's the preamble. Here's the same thing. here's, here's what he said. It says he took up a parable. This word parable means, this is what it means. It means a, a proverb. It means an oracle. It means something he didn't develop himself. He took up a parable. Balaam waited on God to give him a word. I wish all preachers would wait on God to give him a word. Amen. I have got up and it ain't been a lot, but I've got up in the pulpit before. Some Miss Conning might remember. I've got up in the pulpit before and said, look, I've studied, i prayed, and I don't have a word from God. Let's get in the altar and pray and let's go to the house. Hey, I would rather I would rather mind God than try to give you something I didn't have. Somebody ought to say amen. He took up a parable in verse number seven. That's what it says. And he took up a parable. And he said to Balak, the king of Moab had brought me, he's he's, he's taken up his parable. This phrase introduces, here's what he says, here's the purpose. Balak brought me from Aram, saying, come curse Jacob, and come defy Israel. So he's having this conversation with God. He said the purpose of Balak, in other words, is revealed. He wants God's people cursed. He's no lover of the people of God. He don't love the Jews. And so, hey, I'm taking up his prayer, but I'm just telling you what has been put on me, and this is the reason I'm here, God. I'm here because Balak wants to ruin and wreck and destroy your people. Here's the power. He said, how shall I curse whom God hath not cursed? Verse number eight. Or how shall I defy whom the Lord hath not defied? Israel was under the protection and blessing of God. All of God's people are under the protection and blessing of God. In other words, you can't go against God. I I, I mentioned it, but let's just just read over here. Let me say how good we got it as one of God's children. In Romans in chapter number eight, you can't go against the blessings of God. Amen. Listen to this. Listen to this. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, him he called, and him he called, he justified, and whom he justified, them he glorified. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? That's enough to shout about right there. You can't curse me because God's already blessed me. Amen. Amen. I like that. He that spared not his own son. Now, it don't surprise me he didn't spare the old world, they were wicked. God brought the flood on them. It didn't surprise me he didn't spare Sodom and Gomorrah, they were wicked. did It didn't surprise me they didn't spare the wicked angels that cohabitated with women, they left their first habitation. But what is amazing is he didn't spare his son but delivered him up for us all. Us, bunch of wicked devils. And, and if he did that, watch this, it's the basis on which he's gonna take care of everything in our life If he didn't spare Jesus from the cross, he's not gonna spare any expense from taking care of you. Here's what he said. He delivered him up for us all, so how shall he not with him also, with Christ, with Jesus, freely, also freely give us all things? Then verse 33 in Romans 8. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's God that justifies if God's cleared my account, if God's made my record clean just as if I never sinned, there can't no devil or demon of hell nor man put anything on my record. I feel like running. Who is he that condemneth? The answer is nobody. It is Christ that died either that that is risen again. Who's even? Who can separate us? Nobody. Amen. Are y'all getting the picture? You can't curse what God has blessed. Y'all looking at a blessed man up here. I don't deserve it. But if you look in the mirror, you're looking at blessed men and women every morning. Amen. So the power to curse what God has blessed don't exist. Here's here's what the particulars are. So Balaam's message is mostly for Israel because Balak is trying to destroy Israel. Here's what he says in Numbers chapter 23, verse number nine. The top of the rocks, I see Israel, and from the hills I I behold him. For from the top of the rocks I see him, and from the hills I behold him. The people shall not dwell alone, the people people shall dwell alone, and shall not be reckoned among the nation. So the perception, he says, I can see the people, I see where they're at, and I'm telling you, God's gonna take care of them, God's gonna protect them. Here's what he said. God's going to protect them. The people shall dwell alone. God will protect his people by separating them from the rest of the heathen world. He even told us that in Deuteronomy 33 verse 28. He said this. He said the peculiarity. He said this people shall not be reckoned among the nation. They'll never lose their identity. Though the nation be split up, they'll always be a separate people and a separate nation now there is a crowd of people that, that says God has not still, is not still protecting Israel God, they are not no longer God's chosen people but you can't believe nothing they say because they're trying to tell you that the church has replaced Israel and when God gave the prophecy to Abraham that he was going to bless his seed among the sand if you could number the, uh, the grains of sand on the seashore then you could number your nation that's his earthly seed And then when he looked out and he looked up toward heaven and he said, if you could number the stars, that's his heavenly seed. And the church is his heavenly seed. Amen. I'm glad I'm a part of that heavenly seed. The population. He said, who can count the dust? That's what he said in in verse 10. "Who Who can count the dust of Jacob? Israel's population. Look at the portion. Who can, verse number 10, who can number the fourth part of Israel? Israel was divided into four different camps when they encamped. He said, look, they're ordered, they're protected, they're blessed. Hey, you're messing up, Balaam. Look at verse number 10 again, the petition. He said, here's here's what Balaam said. He said, Lord, when I look at them and see how blessed they are, when I see how protected they are, when I see how peculiar they, they are, when I see that they are, they, amen, that they are are never going to be a people that's unidentified. Lord, when I die, I want to die the righteous death. I want to die like Jacob. I want to die having been chosen of God. I want to die having been protected by God, I wanna die the righteous death. And everybody wants to die a good death, but everybody don't die the same, Brother Doug. I've been beside some over here on a trailer down, I can't, I can't off a of Fingerville area, and I got. I was witnessing to this lady. I went back the second time, and I heard her screaming about the flames of hell getting her feet. But then I've been up in a hospital when we're all wondering: Is Dwayne? is Dwayne's daddy? Is he right? Is is he for sure saved? Can you give us a sign? And you just have to talked to Dwayne about how real that was. We was running up and down the aisles of the hall of the hospital. Everybody don't die the same. But I want to die the righteous death too. I want to die as a witness for God. But Balaam, hey Balaam, you can't die right if you don't live right or believe right. Is there, are y'all with me? He had a desire of death. He said let me die the death of the righteous. He wanted the reward of a godly living without the requirements of godly living. That sounds like our day. People want to want to be blessed of God and want to be favored of God, like they live a godly life, but they don't want a requirement to live right. Are you, are you is everybody with me? He wants to die the noble death. He wants to die the death of the righteous. But if you're going to do that, you have got to give your life to the Lord. You have got to be surrendered to the Lord. And then it wasn't just about death; it was about destiny. He said, "Let me let my last end be like His." That. Very few people think about eternity. Most folks live for today. They they live for the moment. But if you don't live this life preparing for the next life, you're going to make a mess out of this life. Are you all with me? Setting, the sacrificing. Look at the scorning. Balak, in verse 11 and 12, here's what he said. Balak did not like what Balaam had to say. Well, that's, that's like 2023. They still don't like truth when it's preached. His preacher for hire was delivering a sermon that, that was not favorable toward him. I remember preaching in the old church and there was two rows on left hand and on the right hand. And I ain't going to call their name unless God gives me liberty. And I would in a flat second if God give me liberty. But on the right hand side looking out on that crowd was a, was a family that took over this whole pew and uh, man, they live in Montana now. They used to live in Rutherford County. And, and I'm fixing to call their name. And, and Brother Jared, when they would sit over here, they'd aggie on. Man, they'd preach. I went through First Timothy and Second Timothy, and I was preaching on the uh, doctrines of the Bible. Uh, man, sound doctrine. I was preaching on the doctrine of our faith, the doctrine of our family. I got to that about uh, the different aspects of being a preacher, about the call. And when I got to that message, and I preached on the Bible says you'll be the husband of one wife, and I dealt with that. I noticed this same family, the husband and the wife that was sitting on the edge of the seat, whoa, amen! Preach on, preacher. When I got to that text, they changed. They got quiet. He showed up at my house the next day. He said, "I just want to let you know I've been married twice. My wife's been married twice, and I'm a preacher." And I said, you might have been a preacher, but you can't preach preaching now. And he said, well, I just want to tell you right now, I don't think that's right. And he got up in my face, got real ill, and I, somehow the Lord just gave me grace, I quoted some scripture. He went out to his car, and he had three flat tires. I laughed. I thought it was hilarious. But I happened to have a patch and two tires in my building, and God let me give him two tires and a patch. And he had to suck it up and take it. Boy, I felt so good about that. Y'all say that's flesh. It might have been flesh, but it felt good. And that old boy got out of my driveway, went on down the road, and he caused trouble here. Tried to, and, and these people that left the church because of this guy, others that almost left the church, He he caused trouble at two more churches and he hurt so many churches that he had moved clear to Montana. Are are y'all with me today? There's always going to be people that don't like what's being preached, but hey, I like it whether it hurts me or not because it all helps me. Amen. Old Balak didn't like what Balaam was preaching. He had a complaint. He had a complaint. Here's what he said. Look at verse 11. I'm not making this up. And Balak said unto Balaam, What hast thou done unto me? You preaching this to me. I know you're just pointing me out. Matter of fact, we had a visitor come in and Brother Charles invited him. It was his neighbor. And I don't even remember what, I, don't, I remember what we was preaching on. I think we was preaching on, on the cross that night. He got offended about me preaching on the cross. Now, if you get offended at cross preaching, I I don't know what. I don't know how I'm gonna help you. But in that message, I had mentioned, "Don't be deceived that Jesus was some sissy. He did not. He was not a a effeminate looking guy with long nappy hair." Okay. He said I was preaching to him because his hair was long. I didn't even know he had long hair. I mean, he had it up in a bun or something. That's what he said. He got mad and ain't ain't coming back to church. Now you can feel like the message is right to you, but that might be the Holy Ghost ringing your doorbell, or it might be fitting your feet, Cinderella, because it's your shoe. Amen. <laughs> hey don't shoot the mailman when he delivers the IRS bill. It ain't his fault. Is everybody with me? He's mad. See, a critic loves to focus sympathy on himself. Balak said, what hast thou done unto me? How could you do this to me? I I, I would if God give me liberty, I, I would take y'all downstairs and take y'all into a room, and I'd replay a meeting, a meeting that was just about studying the Word of God, seeing what God lays on our heart. But some people felt like I was talking specifically to them. No, I was just giving truth as truth was being given to me. Don't get mad at truth. you got to take that up with God. Is everybody with me? Now, here's the complaint. Here's the complaint. What hast thou done unto me? It, here's what they say. <clears throat> and, and you'll hear this and just living a godly life. They'll act like, Brother Frank, us living godly hurts them. Am I right? They'll act like us trying to do right is offensive to them. Don't get mad at me because I want to do right, dress right, act right, talk right. If you don't, I don't dog you out for it, so quit dogging me out for wanting to do right. Is everybody okay? If you live a godly life, they'll say, you're mean. You're, you're, you act like you're better than everybody. You're inconsiderate. But that's always been the argument of Satan. Think about this. Even Eve's deception even her sin in the Bible, it really wasn't about, uh, y'all remember the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It really wasn't about just the lust of the flesh and the the lust of the eyes. You remember what Satan said? If you eat this fruit, you'll be like God. You know what it's all about? It's about pride. I don't want nobody telling me nothing. Pride's our biggest problem. Every one of us in here is eat up with it. It's always been Satan's argument. Satan wants you to be ignorant of everything that'll hurt you and think that things that he's got for you that'll hurt you won't do nothing but bless you. The world blames everything on the Christian. Think about it. They actually say that we're offensive, that we're the problem, that we're the biggest, that that we're the ones that have issues. Now, hold on a minute. What about that BLM movement? They're the ones burning down everybody's store. You don't see Christians going. I seen one out on the street on in Hendersonville on Saturday. He had a cross that was on a wheel. Put me back in my mind and, and when I was a teenager, and he had a, a stainless steel cross, and he was going up just preaching, going down the street. I carried that old stainless steel cross. I said, Well, look at there. He ain't burnt nobody's business down. He ain't trying to break no windows. He ain't stealing no TVs. So y'all know I'm right. Say amen. They want to cause us the problem. I'm going to tell you what, they're going to wish to us here when the rapture takes place and real un- unrestrained evil because right now he that letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And when the church is gone, the Holy Ghost goes with us and there's no restraining power against the forces of hell, it's going to be all men, brother Doug. If it's bad now, wait till the church influence is gone. Wait till the spirit of God. Amen, it's going to be rough. The complaint of, of the one scorned what have you done to me? Here's the charge. Here's the charge. He said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, I want to scorn you about this prophecy. I I want you to know what what you've done to me. I got a complaint against you. I want to lodge a complaint. I wouldn't do like some preachers. I got some good preacher friends and uh, y'all would know some, one of them pastors up in Tennessee, every once in a while he'll carry a trash can, put it on the altar, he said, all of you that's got complaints and suggestions, right here's the filing place for it. (laughs) I love it. Hey, man, is everybody okay? I wouldn't do that, but I will say this, brother, most of our complaints is about us feeling like we've been singled out. Y'all know I'm right. Pride gets in a mess. See, what happens is the preacher may preach something and, and, and your wife knows you ain't doing it or the husband knows you ain't doing it or the kids know you ain't doing it and you feel your pride's been hurt and so you've got to rise up. Somebody ought to say amen. Here's the charge. He said, look here, Balaam. Balaam, said, it's what he said in verse 11. Look, look it's in your Bible. Balak said unto Balaam, What hast thou done to me? Look what he said. I took thee to curse mine enemies, and behold, thou hast blessed them all together. He said, I I paid you. I paid you to come with me and curse them, but you've blessed them. Blessed them all together. Balak accuses Balaam of betraying him. Balaam told Balak before he ever went down the road, if you go back to chapter 22 and verse number 38. I'm going to say whatever God puts in my mouth. Hey, that's smart for Balaam, whether he was a failing prophet or a fraud of a prophet, because he knew God was going to kill him if he did anything less than that. Amen. That's what he done told him. Isn't it amazing, though, how the wicked react to truth? Isn't it amazing how, how rebellious, even carnal Christians react to truth? Balaam didn't want to hear He didn't want to hear the truth. So he criticized him. It's what he said. Look at verse number 12. We're walking through the text. And he answered and said, must I not take heed to speak that which the Lord hath put in my mouth? He said, look, Balaam, Balaam said, look, you criticize me. I'm just telling you what the Lord told me to tell you. Isn't it some public officials during that pandemic? And they said, you know, churches need to shut down. And uh, we were so not knowing what was going on, we started having church out the window. And then, whether or not they liked it or not, we just came back to church. And uh, they said we was crazy. And I said, church is essential. If a strip joint can be open and the ABC store can be open and the devil done with one micro, microorganism, what we thought would never happen. People started turning to a church. That's why even good churches, I mean mega churches, they're down in their membership because people got relaxed watching TV with their coffee in one hand, the slippers in another hand, and the bathrobe on. I don't know how you're going to anoint people with oil and pray over them in the name of the Lord. I don't know how you're going to uh, come together. I don't, know. I don't understand that. I, our message must conform to God's doctrine not to man's dictates. Are y'all with me? Here's the perspective of the prophecy. Look at verse number 13. Here's here's what he said. He said, come, I pray thee. That's what he said. Come, and Balak said unto him, come, I pray thee with me unto another place. He said, hold on. Let's let's get a different perspective for this prophecy. Let's go to a place a place of a different perspective. He said, come I pray thee unto another place whence thou mayest see them. He said, I think if you get a different view of them, maybe if you look at them from a different angle, maybe you'll change what you're saying in your message and curse, I need you to curse them. He already told him he wasn't going to do it. He didn't like the preaching. He didn't like, he felt like it was attacking him personally. But here's what he said. He said, I'm going to take you to another place. So he goes... The mountain range of Pisgah, which also Mount Nebo, where Moses is going to look over into the promised land. Mount Nebo is a part of that Pisgah mountain range. He takes him over there, and he says, if I can get him to get a different perspective, and and watch what happened. Balak moves from, he goes from Pisgah. He built seven altars there. He's got the field of Zophium. Top of Pisgah, built seven altars, offered a bullock and ram on every altar. And he didn't like what he said. He's going to move again. I don't know what it is. People feel like if they don't want to hear the right kind of truth, they'll go to another church. If they didn't like that kind of truth, they'll go to another church. Y'all might as well say amen. Here's what we got to do. Let the scripture conform us. It's kind of like 1 Timothy 4.16. Here's what it says. Take two things and lay them side by side. Take heed to thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Don't try to change the, <laughs> the doctrine to max self. Buddhist temple in China with 10,000 Buddhas, you go over and find the one which looks like you, and that's the one you worship. That ain't what we do as Christianity. They ain't but one that we're supposed to look like, and it sure shouldn't be looking like us. He's going to conform us to the image of his son. Ain't that what he said in his Bible? Bailey, he ain't learned nothing yet. He ought to realize, if you go back, he ought to realize three things. God is unchangeable in his character. God is immovable in his love. And God is irresistible in his power. Instead, Balak is furious more than ever. He's done, he's done built seven uh, altars, done built, uh, done put on there seven rams and seven bullets, went to another place, built seven altars, put seven rams and seven bullets, gonna go to another place, gonna build seven more altars, seven rams and seven bullets. I mean, he's done, done all this high price, clean animals, opposite of what he would offer to Baal, opposite of what he'd offered his false idols. He's offering these these offerings as directed by Balaam and he's getting worse and worse and worse. Israel's getting more blessed and more blessed. God help us to heed the word of God. Help us, Lord. Watch what happens. He goes up to Mount Peor. Look at chapter 23 and verse number 14. And he built seven altars. And then... And then, and then the Bible says, he goes from there, chapter 23, verse number 14, he's going to go to another location. And here's what he's going to say. He's going to these places where Baal is worshipped. He's going to these places where they have temples built to Baal. Maybe if I can get on top of this mountain, my God will persuade his God to change the message. But anyway. He said, wait a minute, stand here by thy burnt offering in verse number 15. He said, stand here by thy burnt offering and I'm going to meet the Lord yonder. That ought to let you know it's all right to be country because the Holy Spirit of God inspired the word yonder. Somebody say, amen. I like that. Amen. Stand by this offering and I'm going to meet the Lord yonder. And Balak, if Balak wants to hear what God's got to say, he's got to stand right there. He's got to wait on the message. And the flesh don't like waiting. Moab, the picture of the flesh don't like waiting but if we want to hear what God's got to say if we want our life to be changed we've got to wait on God I'm going to say it one more time watch what happens in verse 15 and 16 the practice and the perspective watch what happens while I meet the Lord yonder the Lord, the Lord met Balaam and put a word in his mouth look what he said in verse 15 and 16 He said, the Lord put a word in his mouth and said, go again to Balak and say thus. And when he came to him, behold, he stirred by his burnt offering and the princes of Moab with him. And Balak said unto them, what hath the Lord? Balak said unto him, what hath the Lord spoken? And there again, he takes up a parable. He said, rise up, Balak, and hear, hearken unto me. He said, I just don't want you to hear it. I want you to hearken. To hearken means to put in action what you've heard. He said, I want you to put in action. Thou son of Zippor, verse number 19, God is not a man that he shall lie. God's not gonna change his mind. He's unchangeable. You're not gonna get him to waver. Amen. But he wouldn't listen. I do like this. There's a priority on the word of God. Look, Look what he said in verse number 18. And he took up his parable and said, rise up, Balak, and hear hearken now! God is not a man that he should lie, neither some man that he should repent hath he said he put an emphasis on what he said in the word of God in other words there's a priority of God's word in, in the message, he said rise up Balak. in other words take action on what I'm fixing to say he said hear, in other words if, if you're going to Know the will of God Then you have to hear what the word of God is You're going to have to hear what it says Then he said Hark. In other words put in action Then he says God is not a man In other words the praise in the parable God is not a man This is somebody. This is God of heaven He's speaking to you today And, and watch this he said the, per, the perception of the parable Watch what he said in verse number 20 Behold I have received commandment to bless And he hath blessed and I cannot reverse it. Balaam told Balak. he said, look, I've got a command to bless and I cannot reverse it. It's the principle stated in the praise of God. God don't change. There's purity. He said he he hath not beheld. Look what he said. He said, when I look at Israel in verse number 21, he said, I have not beheld iniquity in Jacob. Neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him and the shout of a king is among them. He said, when I look at Israel, when I look at the people you're wanting me to curse, I behold nothing but purity in their life. We wonder sometimes why we feel like God is not blessing us. Man, I'm telling you, if you just live for God, God's going to bless you, and when you fail, get right with God, God's going to pour out blessings on you. Hey, listen, God's going to protect you because he sees you're pure. Amen. Notice what he said. He protests the parable. Balak said, I don't like what you're saying. Look what he said in verse 25. In verse number 25, here's what he said. And Balak said unto Balaam, neither curse them at all nor bless them at all. Just, just quit blessing them. I don't like what you're saying. I don't want you. you. You obviously ain't gonna curse them, but quit blessing them. Don't do it no more. Don't curse them. Balak says, Balaam, you're not gonna curse them. Quit blessing them. Things keep getting worse for me. I, I, I paid you good, and you ain't doing what I paid you to do. Verse number 28, here's what he said. He said, Balaam told Balak, he said, didn't I tell you I was going to tell you whatever God told me to tell you? So here's the preparation. Notice this. In verse number 23, verse 27 and 28, Balak said unto Balaam, come, I pray thee, I'll bring thee unto another place. Here he goes again. Peradventure it will please God that thou mayest curse me them from thence. He's hard-headed. God's already told him, That he ain't going to change. God's already told him that his love's not going to waver. God's already told him that his protection is never going to fail. And yet he hadn't learned yet. Watch what happens. He said, I'll bring you to another place. He's going to prepare this. He said, I'm going to bring you to another place. And if it please God. Bailey thinks. He says, maybe if I can change locations one more time. You don't recognize God's great. He's a God on the mountain. God in the valley. He's God on every hill. He's God behind every bush. He's God in the bed. He's God when you ain't in the bed. He's God in the good times and the bad times. And God don't change. Balak will not submit to the God of Israel. Balak don't want to hear nothing. The flesh don't like hearing what God's got to say. We don't want to hear what the word of the Lord's got to say in our flesh. But if your flesh is ever going to line up with God, You're going to have to go by way of the sacrifice. You're going to have to hear a word of truth from a man who wants to seek God on your behalf. Amen. And it don't matter how many different places you go to. God's going to keep pushing out the truth because the truth is what the flesh needs to hear. And here's what the truth is. Go to Romans in chapter number 8. Let's look at the New Testament chapter to ours. One more time. Look at what Romans chapter number 8 says. And verse number six. Here's the key to victory right here. For to be carnally minded is death. In other words, letting your flesh run your life. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You ought to pray in the spirit. You are to walk in the spirit. You ought to have a spirit-filled life. Because, watch this, the carnal mind is a against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. So then they that are in the flesh, what does it say? Cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So here's what he said. If you're going to have a spirit led life, you're going to have to get your mind in line and in sync with the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now, if you've been saved, you have life. But if you've got a carnal mind, you don't have life and peace. If you're going to have life and peace, you're going to have to get your carnal mind subject to the Spirit of God. Balak wasn't going to have it. The flesh wasn't going to have it. He's the king of the flesh, and the flesh wasn't going to have it he didn't care he didn't care how many how much it cost him he is willing to pay for seven rams and seven bullocks at three different places i don't i'm not a genius but as far as i know 7 times 3 is 21 he is willing to pay for 21 rams 21 bullocks and all seven altars and 20 21 altars To be set up, he is willing to do whatever it takes to get his way. And all he had to do, all he had to do was accept the will of God. All he had to do was submit to the message of the man that God had spoken through. But instead, the flesh kept trying to maneuver, the flesh kept trying to manipulate, and the flesh kept trying to manufacture different environments, different opportunities to get its way. That's exactly what your flesh and my flesh is doing. When I look at Balak, I look at a manipulative flesh. I look at a flesh that don't want to hear the word of God, a flesh that don't want to live the will of God, the flesh that don't like living in the way of God. And it's going to do everything it can to get the spiritual man in subjection to the fleshly man. He wants to defeat the spiritual man. He wants to put the spiritual man in subjection and defeat him on the wrong side of Jordan. They fixing to cross to Jordan. They're fixing to go live in victory. They're fixing to go live in Canaan. And he wants to snuff out their victory on the wrong side. That's what the that flesh wants to do to you and I today. Ain't a doubt in my mind. That's what he wants to do. So I got a choice. I want to be, I know I've got life, but I want to live at peace with God. So if I am a spiritual man... I need to have a spiritual mind. Because if I don't, if I'm a spiritual man, if the Spirit of God lives in me and, 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 and I have life, I want my spirit, I want to have a spiritual mind because if I don't, I've got death to my testimony. I've got death to everything I try to do for God. I want to be a spirit filled man, a spirit led man. I believe everybody in here, Balaam, he's counterfeit. And then you have Balak, who's the counterpart. And then you have God, who's trying to conquer all that thing that's hindering us from walking over into Canaan. And it's going, it's going to be up to us. Are we going to respect the requirements? Are we going to repent because of our sin? Balak's actions are like the actions of many today. They're religious when, it, when, when religion promises to prosper them. But when religion quits prospering them, quits benefiting them, they get sire and they go sideways on God. Balak don't mind going to a high place. He don't mind a sacrifice. He don't mind building an altar as long as it turns out good for him. But whenever it's against him, He's ready to kick out on the sacrifice, kick out on the servant, and kick out on the sovereign. Are y'all with me today? That's, That's the way it is in our day. They pretend to honor God with our sacrifice. They pretend to wait on the answer. I need an answer from God. And yet when they get an answer and it don't turn out like they want to, they get mad at God and mad at the man who delivered it. Religion is okay as long as it's convenient, preacher. It's okay as long as I can stay comfortable. It's okay as long as we can stay commercial. That's all the way back in Jesus' day. As long as they could make money by changing, as long as they could make money, hey, they was okay, but when their tables got overturned, they was ready to go out. They was getting mad. Are y'all are y'all seeing that in 2023? I look at Bailey and I said, Man, what a picture of the flesh. Balaam. Why go to Balaam anyway? Why not go? Look at at the crowd that Balaam's hanging around. Y'all remember this morning the Lord said, Who's this crowd with you? Been a whole lot better if he's hanging around Moses in that crowd. I'll tell you one thing, Balak didn't go to Joshua. I'll tell you one thing, Balak didn't go, didn't go to Caleb. I'll tell you where Balak went, he went to Balaam. Because if he, could, he knew he had enough money and enough prestige and enough power, he could persuade him. He was a persuadable prophet. He, he didn't go over to Joshua. Didn't go to Moses. Didn't go to Caleb. I thank God for somebody that preached the truth when I was in church that day. I thank God for somebody that blistered my flesh's hide. I thank God for somebody that didn't compromise to suit the people. But he told me truth. And my flesh was affected. I felt like I was the only one in there, and he was preaching to me. And I know this, brother, law got me lost, and grace got me saved. The spotlight showed me how wicked I was and then showed me the exit ramp to Jesus Christ. That's what we need today. We don't need the Balaams who can be bought and persuaded to give and taken from one place to another, be presented with a princely crowd to try to persuade the message. No. When Balaam had enough sense to know that if he went against what God said when he let him live that day, when his ass fell underneath of him, and if he didn't say what God told him to say, God God was going to kill him. He had enough sense to know that. But when Balaam couldn't satisfy the flesh, with the message that God gave him, Balaam ended up telling the flesh how to bring judgment upon the spiritual man. And I'm telling you right now, God knows my heart. The biggest enemy you got is the insider. And that flesh works with Satan, and the flesh works with the world. And if you let that insider, that enemy, I'm telling you, he'll destroy you every time. So here's what you need to do. Here's what David said. I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. He said, how aimable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. He said, the sparrows like to raise their babies around your altars. He said, thank God for the, for the altars of God. He said, my heart... And my flesh crieth out for the living God. You know what David said? He said, even my flesh knows it needs to be in church. My flesh craves the presence of God. Because my, my flesh is going to get the best of me. My flesh, my flesh even knows it needs to be in church. It needs to hear the word of God. It needs to submit to the word of God, surrender to the word of God, and have the spirit of God lead them across that dead water of Jordan over into victory. When I look at Balak, I see the king of the flesh. When I look at Balaam, I see a man manipulated by flesh. I don't want to be like that. I want to be a man who when he says he's going yonder and seek the Lord, he means it. I, want, I, I, need, I need somebody who is going to guide me in the truth. And you know what, God, when God picked somebody to take Moses' place, he didn't choose Balaam. I tell you who he chose. He chose Joshua. You know how Joshua? He was the firstborn son. He literally came out of Egypt by the blood of the Lamb. He was a son, he was a servant, and he was a successor. And he didn't mind being a servant to Moses. And when he was a servant, God let him be a successor. And then God let him be a soldier. And he led them troops. And they conquered place after place after place. And then he died. He died with a spiritual tone in his breath. And on his his deathbed, we've got it hanging in our house. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I mean, he's old. I mean, how much longer is he going to live? He said, I just want everybody to know. He said, as for me and my house, we're going to go out of here serving the Lord. When God chose somebody to lead the people into victory, he didn't choose Balaam. He chose Joshua because Joshua couldn't be bought by the flesh in Balaam. God help us not to be stubborn. And God help us not to be rebellious. God help us not to be stubborn. God, help us not to be led around by our nose, by our flesh. And all God's people said, let's all stand heads bowed.